I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Behind the Racket pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now. So I'm walking with my daughter, Marnie, uh, this morning to uh, Dad's and Donuts mm. uh, at, at the school, which is frankly like right up my alley as you a like fat kid. You like one of them and you are one of the other. What? I'm a donut? Um, so I I said to my daughter as as I'm carrying my own gluten-free donuts because I can't eat their donuts at the school but that's that's another story altogether I say to my daughter hey listen I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking to Noah uh in in a couple minutes is there anything you want me to to tell Noah and she says tell him he's little I hate how far this has gone. Tell him I told him he's little. It's actually, the I hate no ribbon shirts are great. But I, I think where we're really missing the mark here uh-huh. is no ribbon is small. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're, but you're not, you're not relevant anymore. <laughs> Was I relevant when those shirts were made? <laughs> <laughs> COVID on her couch, which is see probably... now. Now you're like me. You don't matter. Oh wow! <laughs> Honestly, it feels better because I didn't matter when I thought I should matter, and now I don't matter mm-hmm. when I don't matter, and that mm-hmm. feels right. It matches. Yeah, it feels right. Yeah. You're a narp. <laughs> Just eat your fucking gluten free donuts. <laughs> Have you had? It was. I think it's worth del- it. It's- 
it's like it's it's the tiniest little thing. They're 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 almost kind of like those Entenmann's tiny donuts. They're about that size, like donut holes. Not quite donut hole. Yeah, I mean it's. Oh, you're talking about like the mini ones that come in like the gas station package. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a bag of mini donuts. Right, but it, they just it's basically like that size. No, it's covered in chocolate, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. It's the quick reaction of gluten-free health is like the, but it's not. Yeah, no, like it's when not. you're a normal person, you can find ways around it and still eat like shit. I'll tell you what, sugar, totally okay with a gluten-free yeah. diet. So. Yeah. Yeah, that explains. Some I'm just things. saying, one donut is worth it. One. Yeah, real I had donut. the I had the one donut, and then I was good. Oh, you want me to eat a gluten filled donut? I, no, <laughs> gluten filled is that what they call it? Yeah, <laughs> gluten filled. Yeah, I want it <laughs> up to the top with gluten. Speaking of uh, gluten free, uh, it was uh, it was an interesting moment at the Laver Cup, mm. uh, seeing the big three, including gluten free Novak Djokovic. Uh, in action all together. Uh, that was, man, that kind of, that kind of pulled at the heartstrings there, huh? <laughs> yeah. I think obviously the Rafa and, and Federer was probably more than anybody expected, but for me it was, we don't really know the situation between Fed and Novak. We don't know how close they may or may not be on the side. We can assume that, you know, the friendship is not near where the, Rafa Roger friendship is, but mm-hmm. you know, to see kind of that and to see kind of the emotion with Novak, and, you know, it, it comes back to the little conversation we had last time was, and it really doesn't have to do with the moment as much as there is so much blood, sweat, and tears that have gone on to those rivalries yeah. in, in countries, continents, all over the world. And I think, you know, we, we don't see the reactions from these players all too often, but to see that and see them all in one spot and all wearing the same jersey, which I think a few people spoke about, it was ironic's the wrong word, but it, it, to see them all together, it was it was funny and it was sweet and it was this very unusual ending to a tennis career, I would say. Uh, but you know what? It, it was so fitting. Yeah. Um, it was so fitting. I think what's really, let's see. So. Rafa's emotion um, and the hand holding yeah. uh, between he and, and Roger is totally befitting of those two champions. Um, the the fact that they were able to put aside years of battling on the court and showing what kind of friendship and respect has come between them is is one thing. I need to talk a little bit about uh, Francis, mm-hmm. um, and and I guess Jack, but mostly Francis. Um, the fact that he is getting absolutely blasted right now on social media. Was that for the trying with, situation? With, with hate, with racist hate. Didn't all, all because he played doubles competitively in Roger's final match. Right. Um, it is, listen, I, I know you guys as players uh, have had to endure a lot for many, many years. Um, especially players of color having to deal with even more hate and frankly, women having to deal with a lot of hate. But uh, it it seemed like this was even more so because of the fact that it happened to be Roger's last match. And there was just this apparent, apparent anticipation that Francis would throw the match. He and Jack would throw the match, but he played, I mean, Roger wouldn't have wanted that a, (laughs) but B like he played solid doubles and, there, 
I, I'm just, yeah, I'm I think saddened. You have to, I'm you, saddened. You have to go back to the first point, which Roger doesn't want that. Rafa doesn't want that shit. They were playing just as hard, you know, just because, right. I mean, Sock, arguably the best doubles player in the world right now, For if sure. he's playing on any given day, and, and Foe's playing great tennis. You know, what, what do you... Rafa and Roger were trying. Yeah, I mean... Tiafa went for a few body shots. That's 98% That's of doubles shots are yes. going to be at somebody's body. So for the people saying, well, this and, – and we talk a lot about the Novak fanatics. Roger has just the same. They just come off nicer at times. Yeah. You know, but th- this is not what Roger wants his last match. If, if Foe is playing exhibition-style tennis and, and Roger comes out with a victory – He's like, well, what, what are we doing here? You know, yeah, right. you know, what are we doing here? So, you know, beyond that, you had some great points. It was great to see those guys on the same side of the court for foe and sock. You know, that was not an exhibition for anybody around. And, and, you know, as much as it was Rogers weekend and you've seen the big three, you know, this, this was a, this is a very important, it's become a very important tournament. And, and with world getting their first victory, you know, it, it kind of, I think Rothenberg alluded a little bit to it was it gives almost justification for, you know, this event as a whole. So now it, it's an event. It's competitive. These are players that want to play. So you can't take that away from them. And I, I actually missed a lot of these comments. I didn't see most of them. So I'm sure yeah. as tennis Twitter is, is just a wonderful platform at time. Yeah, it was it was a little bit more so on the Instagram side. Gotcha. Um, Fun. This, this particular one. Uh, you and you and Chris Eubanks both um, mentioning along somewhere along the lines, Noah, about it um, needing more team events. You, I know, mentioned that we should maybe have fewer events so that these big ones have a little bit more of a focus. I, I I'm I'm on board with that. I think we've we've talked at length about the fact that the season needs to be shortened as as it is. Um, yeah, but know. but this this event this event I mean I I don't know if it would have gotten the same amount of attention had Roger not retired at this event I don't think that's that would have happened um, but that being said you could see the enjoyment and you see it every year at the Labor Cup of just and, and frankly the old Hopman Cup a couple of years you know uh, how important and um, just just to give a little bit of balance. Uh, to the schedule that there are team events from time to time. I, I think that's important in Davis Cup as well. Yeah, I think we have to take everything with a grain of salt, which is why I'm trying not to argue certain points uh, during this year. You know, you had the Serena Williams US Open. You know, it's 2X, 3X numbers that weren't supposed to. And yeah, I mean, you're this is the last time you're going to see Roger, Rafa, Novak anywhere near each other in a truly in a competitive, competitive way. way. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's... Labor Cup has a place. We don't know what it looks like without some of these top guys, but it, without a doubt, has a place. It magnifies and and shows tennis in a different light. That is that is a hundred percent a necessity. But when we talk about it, and and we have Davis Cup as a great example, something that you know we don't talk about all so often. It's kind of at this point gone pushed to the side, and for something that is the only thing that I've used to compare to a World Cup. To You mm-hmm. know, and we've seen in, in certain matches, I remember watching Brazil versus Argentina in tennis, and it's in incredible environments, but it has gone pushed to the side, and that is because well, this... It's not the home and homes. You're, right. You got rid of the home and homes. And and with without having that um, home atmosphere and without having a real place for it in the schedule where people are rushing. I mean, the number one thing that blew my mind and, and one Carlos said it was fine and Carlos said it was fine is 
I mean, after this insane run, he's he's on the court playing for his country a few days later. You know, we, yeah, right. How do we have this? I mean, yeah, you could say we can keep going back. He's nineteen; he can play forever. These they can't, and they're going to get burnt out. And this schedule is not helping in any way, shape, or form. So I, I it has to change. And and beyond that, we never talk about the same joke that is used all the time. And I think I think Chris was the one that argued it against us, then asked one of his friends, and they gave us our answer, was uh, to the fact of, do most people think that this, the schedule is oh, over yeah. post-US Open? Do they know that there's more tennis after the US Open? And Chris argued against us, asked one of his closer friends that watches some tennis, and said, oh, yeah, yeah aren't we done now? So things have to change there. Yeah, I, I, would, I would actually, if... I think the the right play in that regard is have tour finals. I'd say middle of October. Mm. I think I think that makes the most sense to me. It's about a about a month after the Open, so it allows the body to recover for a week or two, and then maybe one run up event or one lead up event to the tour finals, and then go in October. And that would make the most sense to me. And then call it a day. So you're taking out, I mean, obviously Asia is a difficult situation right now, but are you taking out Paris as well? Rescheduling it within the... I think you're rescheduling. I mean, listen, the, the calendar needs a full overhaul yeah, to, yeah. to do this, right? I, I mean, I, I think ultimately February to October is probably the best situation, hmm. frankly. Okay. Um, but that, I mean, that means you're going to lose some some events. Yeah. You're going to lose some events if you if you shorten to eight, Plus months, yeah, yeah you're going to lose some events, and I, I want to make sure I say that that's tour level, right? Um, <laughs> because I think, frankly, challengers, challengers going, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, challenge challengers going longer is fine. Yeah. Um, oh, you're oh you're saying you're continuing whatever the norm is on the challenger tour? Yes. Okay. I, I mean, I, you, you and I are, are I, I think a little bit at odds here with this i this idea of. Um, and this is what the majority of our focus is supposed to be on this particular uh, podcast is the cha new challenger tour revamp and all of that. You and I have been having this debate uh, via text yep. over the last several uh, last two months uh, where you've uh, called me stupid and ignorant on multiple <laughs> occasions um, about um, Wu Yibing. Yes. Um, and, and the fact that he has had this I incredible run and hasn't had the opportunity. I, I don't even know where he's ranked after, after um, the, the U.S. Open, but um, how he should be ranked higher considering the incredible yes. year that he's had. Um, and I've, I've been saying, well, you know, right now there are more events, so more people can have more points. And so it makes it so that the cream really is rising to the top through the challenger level. Um, and so we're getting to this point, uh, this idea, this question of how much is too much in terms of challengers so that you can be ranked well and ranked high and move up quickly, I guess is the big question. Um, meanwhile, the, the ATP a couple of weeks ago released kind of this new revamped challenger tour, which includes... Um, Changing tomorrow. to, yeah. <laughs> no, no, there's a call tomorrow. So okay. I'm sure we're not even supposed to say that. But there's a call tomorrow that we'll be going over in detail what this actually means. Okay, so. Well, when, we'll, we, when we'll this comes out, yes. <laughs> yes, right. So we'll go through four, the, the, the major changes here. They're changing it so that there are four types of challengers, 50, 75, 100, 125. Makes it very simple to, to follow. Um, more prize money. 
from 13 million this year to 21.1 million next year, which is an increase of 60%. Um, and then a, a much more enhanced um, calendar, which includes more events, a new 12 more events next year from this year. Um, what are your initial thoughts on, on those major changes um, heading into tomorrow's call, Noah? <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, at this point and, you know, as much as people think I'm a cynic, this is from the players as well that have contacted me, have asked me questions or vice versa when we had conversations. You know, the headlines look great and these are maybe a little more specific than some of the other ones they've had, but we don't know what this means. 60% increase may be that they have a 20% prize money increase, but 40% more tournaments. You know, I don't know what it means as a whole exactly. And I think we want to get specific numbers and compare them. And that's, that's where we're really going to figure out um, how great this, this evolution really is. But I don't know if you've seen some of the, I actually forgot. I tweeted on Rosh Hashanah and then did not really answer until later on. Um, I don't know if you saw any of the small Twitter battles that I was, no. uh, but it was kind of going over. People were arguing with me that if you shorten the schedule, take away events, um, less is the chances for players to survive or move up in the ranking. I think Yibing Wu is a good example, and I think using a player that's 400 in the world or 600 in the world, the players that are surviving, uh, very few players are actually surviving at the moment anyway. And a Yibing Wu, let's say instead of, I'm going to use a very round number of 100 events, challenger events in the world that there's now 50 events and those are just double in prize money yibbing Wu is still going to break through at a few of these events and he's going to have uh his opportunity to get to the next level my concern which it's okay at times once once you have a certain amount of tournaments yes it does help the flow of money to some extent but my issue, and, and you know this speaking to players as well, is there is a feeling that if there are events going on and if there are more events, it just promotes more play. There really isn't a way around it in an individual sport where players behind you want so badly to take your spot. So if you take out, let's say, the player 500 in the world or those players around a 500 in the world, say, hey, I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm taking a couple weeks off, those are now up for grabs for the players that are around 750 in the world, and those and you can't really get around that um, any other way. And you're you know, and that's promoting this burnout effect that we've seen. Yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from on that that regard, but we've also the the idea behind this, Noah, and I, I think it, what I think you are not taking into account in that regard is I always do. Okay, is the fact that there's there's now the the prize money is better. The sustainability for for top two hundred to be financial financially sustainable is much better because of this. The the one hundreds are going from a hundred six thousand dollar prize money to a hundred thirty. I mean the 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 fact is there's more money being pumped into the ecosystem at the lower level, which is going to help and make sure that it's sustainable. Now, I understand the idea of this burnout effect, but I think I think it's going to be neutralized, Noah, by the fact that now that there are more opportunities, more tournaments, and a more 
um, stable uh, health situation with COVID, you're able to really plot out those weeks and maximize them. Um, it, it's it's up to the player now to really say, okay, I'm going to try to play X amount of weeks this year, 25, 30, whatever it may be, but I need to maximize those weeks and make sure that I'm plotting it out well. And now you have the schedule and you have an entire calendar to look at and say, now I can do this. Here's how I'm going to do it and structure it so that I'm maximizing myself at each of these opportunities in each of these tournaments, each of these stretches. And I think, frankly, that's kind of what we've been looking for is opposed to just this idea of scattershot tournaments, whatever. Now you've got everything out there for you. It's up to you to to maximize yourself so you don't burn out. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, maybe we can have like a 10, 15 minute podcast after the uh, after the call tomorrow just to quickly go over and, and specify because it's it is tough to speak on it when we don't know what these numbers mean and how they would affect, you know, in, in my head. Yes, it's great. Like you said, something's getting better. We don't know what exactly that means, but they are working towards uh, a more sustainable life on the Challenger Tour. Um, I, I think a lot of these, again, are band-aids. For the situation with the um, the the barrier between ATP, uh, you know, pro events. No, that that came out wrong. Tour level, <laughs> yeah, tour level events, um, and and the challenger yeah, tour. You went to the you went into the media and you went yeah. you went McEnroe just like that. <laughs> the journeyman events, and <laughs> but yeah, no, I think. I think that those are where a lot of the, you know, foundation of, of how tennis is played from each level and, and, and getting and moving from one level to another. I think a lot of these are band-aids because I don't know if the money is sustainable for them. I don't know where they found this money. I don't know where it comes from. We don't know a lot. There's a lot of questions of how we got to this point and what it's actually affecting. But hopefully a lot of those will be answered tomorrow. Um, I just think in the end, it comes down to rescheduling tennis as a whole and connecting it much better than it is. Well, that's part. I know that that's part of the the process for them with this challenger tour, making sure that the clay events in Europe are linked to Roland Garros and leading to Roland Garros and, and us open. There should theoretically be a good lead up to the us open Australia, the same. I mean, I know that's part of the. The idea, there is more forethought. The last couple of years, as I said, it's been scattershot, right? Like, if you can host a challenger in the midst of COVID pandemic, please do. Here's extra money to make it happen. Thank you. God bless you. But now we're at a point where it's got to be, everything has to be linked. Yes, we don't have all the details right now, but I'm appreciative right now of the fact that there is more money being put into the challenger tour and there is forethought of let's make sure that there is linkage to ATP events, to master series events. Uh, I also like the fact that there are going to be 175s, challenger 175s during the second weeks of, I believe next year it'll be four master series events. So if you'd happen to be 60 in the world and lose first round of Indian Wells, you can hop on down to Phoenix um, as they did last year. I think, I, I, I think it's, I think it needs to be applauded when there is some forethought here to to making sure we're starting to maximize and link the Challenger Tour more to the to the tour level events. Yeah, 
No, again, I'm curious tomorrow how it comes about. I mean, we have to be happy to start, but uh, they're not they're not past the finish line yet. I mean, we got to see the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, and it's funny, you know, as as more of a fan this year than player, um, you know, especially on the back end. It's a, it's been bombarded with tennis. Like I, I am tired. Like I don't. I'm not excited to then now go to, especially two fifties. But you know, you know whether it's Paris or you know you have a few new two fifties coming up. I'm actually got a picture, you know, of Tel Aviv just because you know I'm interested. But you know, and and they haven't had an event in a long time. But you know, besides that, it's just yeah, it is exhausting. It's there's a reason certain sports do so well with the the scheduling and the timing and and it allows you to kind of build up to a climax and then, you know, have the end of that and then build up to another one. And, but tennis, it just hits you left and right quickly. And if you don't, you know, know what's coming next, it's a lot. It really, you know, there's, there's gotta be ways where it's not only built against burnout for players, but, but for fans themselves, you know? Yes. Yeah, it's it's it is constant and it just never stops. And I don't think that that's healthy. Um, I, I I think you and I have just a different idea of, um, and this is going back to where we started this conversation. I I I'm actually okay with it on the challenger level. Mm-hmm. If if you have January to December at the challenger level, so there's more opportunity for lower level players to advance and continue to move up. Uh, more power to you. Sure. I think that I think that's great. I do think the tour level season should be shortened. Yeah. Um, well, that's the spectator m- side of it. Correct. Well. Exactly yeah. right. Um, and I, I think that would make the most sense to me is February one to mid October. That's your tour level season, both sides, men, men's and women's, and just maximize so that you are you are gearing around those four slams plus a tour championship with the master series mixed in. Um, and, and yeah, you're going to have lots of weeks like this one where there are three two fifties around the world. And yeah. what is it? Bul- Bulgaria, Tel Aviv and Seoul, right? I mean, did you, by the way, did you look at the, the Seoul doubles draw by any chance? I have not. No, like literally it was almost exactly what we had in the green clay challengers. Gotcha. I mean, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost the exact same draw. Yeah. Um, from, from, I think like Tallahassee, that's fine. um, I mean, that's, that's, that's how it should be though. Right. right? right like right. you, you, you have the opportunity, you have a good solid challenger year. You're at the two fifties at the end of the year. I mean, and, but we will say the reason for this and, and it won't necessarily be like this next year is because we lost a masters 1000 this year. Yes. And that, and that is the reason I think people have to understand that, you know, this isn't the norm. We lost a thousand and a 500. I don't think we were able to put ATP was able to put that back in the schedule. So that's why they were able to have a few two fifties around the world, which almost possibly led to more opportunity, you know, in, in one yeah, way, sure. shape or form. But yeah, I mean, I, I know, I don't know if I remember if you agreed with this or not. I just think again, at the spectator level, which you know, you can argue the 500s, but it's definitely the Masters 1000s and slams. Below that, and the 500s are kind of in this weird area, but below that, I think it's, I think it has a real opportunity to experiment. I think there's real ways to I look agree. at that. And, and hey, I would love to see some round robin at 250s. I would love that. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot of ways that you could take the challenger tour level 
and like i mean we keep going back you know keep it geographic location wise keep it in your own regions find ways to kind of build that system out and 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 really experiment on that end and and see where that can take you maybe with some more team events with individual points within them and you know that leads into the bigger tournaments I, again i just think it's it's not okay right now it's not bringing in fans right now how do we make it where it's more of a festival feel? The players are still having opportunities to push up into the next level and are somewhat sustaining because, you know, you know, we don't know what these changes look like, but in the current system, there's a lot of <laughs> potential just for trying, trying something new. Yeah, I, it's, I, I think of it in, in terms of, I mean, I hate, I hate comparing Challenger Tennis to minor league baseball. Um, however, I do like the idea of like, there's, there's one minor league where, where, uh, one league in the, in the U S where they, the major league baseball links with this one particular league and they try out all of mm -hmm. these little things where, uh, the robot cameras for the umpires, they've tried <laughs> yeah, it out yeah, yeah. at this one, like pick, pick a stretch and say that we are going to try and experiment with round robin tournaments at this three week stretch of challengers, uh, another one where you are going to Full try, yes, where yeah. you're not going to have some yeah sound restrictions, if right. you will, <laughs> and just just pick stretches and try it, see what happens, and just kind of allow you know these are some of the big picture thoughts of like the the idea of coming in after the first game. Mm -hmm. We're going to try it out at three challengers in. Uh, Bulgaria in June. Right. We're going to just try it out, see what happens, see if it makes a difference. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. That's you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to Tiburon. Uh, let's see. This is going to release. I think I'll the probably day release of. it too. Yeah. Um, I, so I'm heading to Tiburon. Um, very excited to be yeah. back in Northern California for Tiburon and Fairfield uh, a couple weeks off and then the indoor stretch. Um, I need to text Jason Kubler, don't I? <laughs> you do. Just put uh, it on the radar again. In in theory, we're going to be doing a podcast with Jason. I think it'll have to be on Monday because I'll be with my daughter, Marnie, right. uh, through Sunday. And I'm not going to disrupt family time for Jason Kubler. I like Jason a lot. Nah, but he, he negged us enough. We were going to put him I mean, down. so many, so He's just many not times. a good person. That's really just what it comes Just a really down. horrendous human being. Jason Kubler. Um, <laughs> K-U. <laughs> I believe he was a finalist at this past week's San Diego Open uh, in the doubles with Luke Saville. Lost, lost to Withrow and Lamons. Picked oh, wow. up their first APT. Eight, did I say that right? ATP? No, you, yeah. you did not. I, what did I say? APT? APT, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. It's all, yeah. it, none of it matters. <laughs> I, I had to get up early for dads and donuts. It smells like toast um, over there or what? a little dark the electrician <laughs> was supposed to be here an hour ago he's still not here um yeah by the time i get back i'm actually going to have a, a a working broadcast studio downstairs oh my god god it like i am available for voice work people if you need something for your commercial business i'm i'm ready and willing to voice yeah. work some stuff over just to you. anything that doesn't include his face uh you coming to tiburon I wish. I actually miss it so much. Well, come on out. Yeah, it's so far though. Yeah, but it's I, you can stay at stay with me in in San Rafael. San Rafael. Yeah, I have my housing there. It's incredible. Oh yeah, my so God. come on, come on out. <laughs> come on out. That actually would be fun. 
Yeah, I know it would. And the USDA said, yeah, that we still just have no idea how to get that guy out of the booth. Can you just, like, help him out? I was like, you're talking about the bald... Yeah, that, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, just, yeah. Just come, just come visit. You didn't even have, a like, a farewell event. You're a putz. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Everybody needs... You need to have your Roger Federer moment. And where, where do you want that to be for me? Champagne. Honestly, though. No, honestly, let's, let's think about it for a second. Where is my farewell event? Wake Forest Futures. Okay, I'm going to fucking kill myself. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.